You are listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. So, Dr. Batar, I'm challenged, like you, to show up for work when, you know, I'm traveling around the world, lecturing, staying up all hours of the night, barely sleeping, and i got to be coherent. So you're the man this hour, because I'm barely up. <laughs> uh, I just got back from Denver late last night myself, so my travel schedule has been absolutely insane. Since February 4th, you, you know it. Yeah, I know. I, I was just trying to see if I can catch no up sympathy. to you, that's all. No, sympathy. no, nothing, nothing no. for nothing from Doctor Batard. Give him some sympathy, Super Don. I slept really well last night. I feel great. <laughs> Pile on, Super Don can take over. We'll just go away. <laughs> it's your show this hour. Hey, if if I play this music, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to open very strangely, but uh, if I play this music, I'm going to play some music and, and tell me if you know what it's from. That's like a, we're going to start with a game show. All right, you ready, Doctor Batar? Name I'm that ready. tune. Here yeah, name go. that tune. Here we go. Do you, do you know it? Of course no. I know it. No, no, don't say anything. I'll, I'll ask Dr. Batar if he knows it. Have I you don't. heard that before? Sounds familiar, but no, I can't place it. No, and, and that's fine, because if somebody played that for me, I'd say this. I'd like, I think I've heard that before, but I'm not sure, right? Yeah. And, and let me just, why I'm saying this. I'm out uh, last night at dinner in Los Angeles with my friends from the Tenth Amendment Center. We found a really great organic uh, vegan place, and and they had these desserts. Like there was one, I took a picture of it. It was so perfect. This pie, like it was like chocolate cream pie, and we we got it. I didn't eat it yet, but it was so beautiful. I say, I know I'm going to like it. It was as good as I had hoped. But I sent this picture back to my wife, to Nancy. I said, you got to see this, you know. So I texted to her, and rather than going, ooh, that looks really great. She says, yeah, yeah, don't bother me now. I'm watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> I'm like, what? Right? Like, I'm excited about this. It's like, don't bother me. Don't, whatever you do, don't call me watching The Walking Dead. And my, my friends, they like The Walking Dead, too. And they're like, they were laughing. They got it immediately. I don't, I, I'm not in on the joke. Super Don watches it. I don't know. Does, does Debbie watch The Walking Dead? Do you know? She, she does not, and neither do I. But uh, I heard from a friend of mine who's a pretty well-known producer. Mm-hmm. In uh, in the entertainment industry, that The Walking Dead is, and that's a show about zombies, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's, I figured that from the title. But I remember him talking to me, and he said that it is right now enjoying the same popularity. He said that it was the number one watched show in the country, which I find hard to believe. But it's it's like very close to Big Bang. You know the comedy. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, on a it's like a, a smaller network, right? Like uh, I forget the network it's on, but AMC. AMC Network. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it is that. But should I be worried, Doctor Batar? I mean, have you ever sent a text to your wife of something really cool, and she says, "Don't bother me. I'm I'm doing. You just leave me alone." <laughs> well, and, and normally I would say, and I don't know, Don. Maybe you can give uh, your uh, super Don. You can give your opinion on this. But normally I wouldn't say that. No, it's nothing to worry about. But if she's watching a show about, 
you know, like zombies. And it's called Walking Dead, and she'd rather watch that than you. Then that means that you need to like up your game a little bit, Robert. <laughs> I think I think at a certain point you're like, I'm not bringing it. Oh my gosh! But but no, the thing is, it's so funny because anybody that's really a fan of it totally gets it. They're like, and and and, and she watches it with my son. That's their thing. It's like a a a a, a, a mommy son bonding time they do their thing walking <laughs> How about zombies i know i know it's about I think zombies. what the producer friend of mine said was he said that the thing is it's not about zombies because he himself said he's a fan of it but when you he first heard about it, he's like what the hell is this i'm not going to waste my time watching a stupid show like this yeah. but then he watched it and he said he got engrossed in it and it's really apparently i have never i don't even know who's in it or or anything about the show but he said mm-hmm. you get involved with the the quest and the and the challenge, you know, of humanity surviving and, and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So apparently that's I, what it is. I, no, I, I, I understand. It's well written, well done, well acted, all of that, and it's gripping. But, you know, I, I'm – and you, you have the great fortune. I will say that. You show up once a week. You don't have to read the news. We come in. We bring it. And I'm not complaining. I love your take on it. It's fun for us, too. It's fun for me. But, you know, Super Don especially, we cover some pretty serious stories. We have to find a light way to cover it to make people laugh, too, because we need to laugh or else we'd be bummed out about a lot of this stuff. And and so when I'm, like, taking downtime from the show, I don't want to watch a show about zombies bar- or humans barely surviving in a world of zombies because we're covering stories about that in real life all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, but that is true in many ways because we are uh, dealing with the... Uh with the zombie-like planet, um, because you, know, you start looking at how people are allowing, as you say, you know, sheeples, as the sheeple mm-hmm. allow the, the governments to dictate their actions and and let the pharmaceutical companies do. In a way, that's that's true. We are trying to survive in a in zombie land. Yeah, and I think it's it's an analogous, if you could say, it's like an analogy, if you will, of not literal zombies coming back from the dead, but it's like people who are kind of walking through life in, in a deadened state, and and that's that is a reality. You know, we've talked about you know if if you know water shortage or a gas shortage suddenly happens and the grocery stores don't fill up, we see it with a hurricane, a natural disaster. Suddenly, it is like living in that zombie apocalypse. People will uh, move rapidly to that animalistic state of survival. Uh, you know, at all costs. And, and so we're not far removed from that. That's why our message is so much to, you know, be prepared, grow some food, you know, have some way of having access to something stored so that you can survive these bumps in the road. Sometimes they might be longer bumps than others. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, not to get off the subject, but you were talking about, since we were talking about shows, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I like uh, Star Wars. Yeah, I'm science fiction Wars stuff. TV. I know we like that. Yeah, not Star Wars. I said Star Wars. I meant Star Trek. I don't know why yeah. I said Star Wars. Of course, with the thing that, that Super Don made for me, um, it's Star Wars. But there's a show that I have been watching called Black Sails. Have you seen that, either one of you guys? I've heard about Black Sails. It's like a, 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 the old pirates or something? Yeah. yeah, very well done, very well written. Have you seen a show, Super Don? Black Sails. I haven't. Again, no. I, I, just like Robert, I've heard of it. but I, It yeah, looks I, intriguing I to me. To but it, it. Yeah, it's if you've really, got a... really good. And there's a, there was a scene... Mm-hmm. Where this uh, pirate, uh, who's one of the the protagonists in the show, he's being set up to be hung, and um, they send in a minister, uh, 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 not a priest, but a minister, to read him his right, rash, last right, uh, rights, and basically mm-hmm. tell him, you know, to to um, absolve himself from sins. And so th- th- it's interesting because of what he says. He's the, the minister. He's, he's kind of a you know creep, and he's saying you know something about accept this, and if you if you accept your um, forgiveness or ask for forgiveness, and and the pirate, his name's Charles Vane, and he says, 
He says, if I've got something to be remorseful for, I'll talk to God myself. I don't need you to go through it. Oh, wow. And he says, I'd rather, you know, that's me. He, he, the guy, the man, the minister's trying to push him, and he says, look, this is about you. The, the prior says, this is about you. It's not about me. You're here because of you. And the, the minister says, me? He says, I'm the shepherd. And the pirate looks up. He says, you are the sheep. He goes, shepherd, you are Whoa. the sheep. Whoa, it was nice really, line. really heavy. It was a great, great show, but it started making me think about how our society is right now because those that are the pirates, because you know, theoretically we would be considered the pirates. We're the rogues. We're the ones that are mm-hmm. out of the box. We're the ones that are running around. You know, we're the loose cannons, if you will. And and the ones that are trying to rein us in, that are trying to control. Now I'm not trying to say we're like we're literally like pirates. Maybe super don, but you know. Not the rest <laughs> of us, you know but, but you understand what I'm saying. We are yes. the ones that are that are the ones that are living mm-hmm. our truth, and we're bold, yes. and we want the world to know, and we have our following. And but the status quo is vested in us being the bad guys. Very sure, the, vilifying you know, vilifying those that live outside the box. Exactly. You know, yeah, the rule breakers supposedly. When and you have to break the rules if the rules are wrong. Exactly. Yes, that, that is very true. Very important, and and it's it's a distinction that needs to be made, but it's often missed in this regard because those who are maintaining the status quo are living in violation of the very rules, and in this way they try to convince you, no, no, you play by the rules while they're not, and it's great. Right. The sheep will go, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to play by the rules, not realizing, or even if they are realizing, too afraid to say, uh, uh-uh, uh, that that ain't working, homie, exactly. don't play that game. Exactly, like the heretics or the traitors were really, you know, like we remember Paul Revere was considered to be a traitor, but now he's uh, a patriot. But right. back then he was considered, he was labeled as a traitor. Or the ones that were heretics like uh, Galileo or, you know, all these people that were demonized and, and uh, villainized, as you said, later on, then it changes, the label changes. So you have, and I, I remember hearing an adage, it was pretty powerful, it said something about that in in all reform or anything that changes in the the people that lead it initially are always labeled as the traitors or the or the non-patriots right right well and you know in this case we're on the right side of history much like paul revere if we look at you know at the time branded a traitor history looks back and says no he's a hero a right. patriot exactly it's funny liam chef's new book is called american heretic <laughs> oh, really? he's t- yeah, he's taken it to another level and, and taken on all of the things he started with official stories. So he's been going through a lot uh, for the next book. Really excited about that coming out soon. So it, it, as we move to zombies to vampires, this is the story I didn't get to last hour, which kind of stimulated our discussion there. A little lighthearted but serious, too, as we as we tend to go. The University of Leicester or Leicester, they worked up an analysis to figure out, because everybody's so intrigued with vampire movies and things, they said, how long would it take for Dr- Count Dracula to, to suck your blood dry. And according to the total volume of fluid and dynamics and other assumptions that they made, it's evidently 6.4 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Well, the volume of blood in an average person is about 5 liters. And blood circulates in the body um, once every 12 minutes. So that means to totally drain the body why are we even talking about this? Wait a second. Why am I, how'd you get Super Don, why do we, yeah, get, that's a good question. Why are we talking? Partly because I'm punchy and sleepy, and 
dopey and happy. I like how you roped me into this. You like start talking about this, and then I'm going to talking about how long it's going to take to deplete the blood out of a person. And I'm thinking, what, for what purpose? Why, why are what we, we doing this? this? You know what? Well, it, it's because you know, listen, what? listen. Science mm-hmm. has already cured cancer, so now we get to study things like how long does it take for a vampire to drink all your blood? I right. got you. Yeah. Now, thank you for clarification. Now I understand. More you know, what? I was just, I was just thinking. We've been doing. Uh, uh, you know, advanced medicine together for so long, we had to have one of the most unusual openings ever in the years we've been together doing this because we got to throw the listeners off a little bit. We don't want them to get them, to, uh, you know, complacent or anything. That's right. That's so right. <laughs> we're going to dive into some advanced medicine stories. Don't you worry. After this break, remember robertscottbell.com. If you miss a show, particularly when we get together with Doctor Batar, medicalrewind.com, the easiest way to access it, and his international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. That masked man was. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's- Robert Scott Bell. Here I come to save the day. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. From young zombies to older zombies, the stories continue as the United States of drug marigate gets even druggier. There's a story, Reuters is covering it, it's all over the place, a study out of the University of Illinois at Chicago. Older Americans taking more medications. Now, this could be a moment of duh. I was just going to say, I think this is a moment of duh, but go ahead. It, it is, but what intrigued Super Don, actually, Super Don, what intrigued you about this story more than the fact that old people are on so many drugs and they've been zombified? Well, like you're saying, I mean, listen, everybody knows this, it's not news, Really, but what jumped out at me is that they've come up with a term now to describe people that use multiple medications, and they call it polypharmacy. Yeah, yeah. Polypharmacy. Actually, mm. actually it's not new, uh, Super Don. They've actually used that term. They just, they just haven't really talked about it openly. But, yeah, polypharmacy is a term that I've heard at least four or five years ago, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a new one to me. I mean, poly, I mean, the, the definition of poly means what? That's like just m- more m- than many. two or something? or multiple, Yeah, multiple. Multiple, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, what does it say how many it has to be for poly? Because I would say two or more, you're polypharmacy at that point. They said, actually, in the study, says a proportion of older Americans taking at least five medications or supplements. It's interesting they include supplements in there. Went oh. up in a recent study, so I assume from that statement that's five or more. But here, here is an interesting thing. The second paragraph of that is it's, it's an interesting component. It says the, increased, the increase in people using multiple medications known as polypharmacy paralleled an increase in the number of older Americans at risk for major drug interactions. Like, tell me something that wow. I don't know. But, I mean, that, they're basically yeah. saying exactly what we've been saying, and this is mm-hmm. not rocket science. You know, the more drugs, the more complications for major yeah. drug interactions yeah i mean if you don't take other drugs with other drugs you're not going to have a risk for interactions with drugs you're not taking and then this uh, dima quato the study's lead author from the university of illinois says that's a common i'm sorry excuse me uh, that's a concern from a public health standpoint because it's getting worse so again it really does qualify as a moment of doubt but this, um, fi- this is filled with many medicated statements, and I mean the people st- stating them are on medication. Yeah, well, exactly. Incredible. Polypharm. Yeah. Remember the, the whole idea of approving a drug. You would test that drug on its own, and the moment one doctor 
prescribes multiple drugs or number of your doctors prescribe drugs on top of drugs on top of drugs that they may or may not know you're on already you're a human experiment at that point because you can say there is no science whatsoever that we ever ran to conduct this patient on this drug this drug this drug this drug and this drug it's just all well let's see what happens yeah that's a, it's it's a sad state of affairs they actually talked about in this particular study that the ages that they studied they studied between the ages of 62 to 85 that were living at home so they weren't they basically excluded the inpatient or the retirement center type uh, convalescent type homes and it was from 2005 2006 data comparing it to 2010 2011 data and what's interesting is they found that overall 67% of the population between the age of 62 to 85 living at home were on medications or supplements. I don't think it's fair for them to have you know, categorized. I mean, yeah. when you do a study, you have to separate certain factors, and to put medications and supplements together, that's, that's not smart at all. Yeah. Uh, that's really diluting the results. But anyway, they said 67% were taking five or more medications or supplements in 2010 and 2011, up from 53% in 2005, 2006. Wow. Yeah, so that's just a fine. 14% increase. It, it's significant. And then, and then another double whammy is that most U.S. adults lead an unhealthy lifestyle, according to yeah. another study. I so mean, what is this? Is this like no poop Sherlock day today or what? <laughs> no, no poop Sherlock day. That's great. <laughs> Thank you for saying it that way. I actually, I, chan- I channeled you in my lecture at CalJAM this past weekend because I actually dropped an S-bomb. I don't know if did we did we mention that on the air? I mean, we can't say the word on the air because we got radio stations. But well, let's make sure we say that the S bomb, as in S, as in Sierra, not the F bomb. Yes, correct. I okay. did not drop any. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. The yeah, he'll do that next year. Next yeah, year, he's working his way up. There. Working my way up. That's right. Yes, baby when steps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it was uh, you know that about the story about UC Burke, uh, no UC Davis doctors basically injecting feces into the brains of cancer patients there to help stimulate the immune system to target the cancer in the brain. Yeah, poop for brains, exactly. You know what I'm saying. All right, when we come back, lots more broadcast healing as we go advanced medicine with Dr. Rasha Bittar. Stunning stat out of Germany, where you'd think the food would be cleaner. Maybe not. We'll get to that. And the beer after this break on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Links are up, robertscottbell.com. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. I think I'm the adrenal exerciser energizer bunny. I got. I, I did some really awesome hiking. I got a, a like a, a, a sunset hike in Pacific Palisades with my good buddy when I was out there in California. I, I because we don't have hills where I am. We have some hills, but they're not hills like that. I was sore for a couple of days. It was pretty intense, but it was a great, great time to be outdoors over there. Uh, so, uh, but don't eat the wheat. Basically, if you're in Germany, I, have, you've been to Germany before, haven't you? You've been everywhere, Doctor Batar. Yeah, I've been to Germany a couple of times. I never stayed there for more than a day or two, but. Yeah, this is the biggest controversy, of course. You know, they, you can mess with the German people and, and stuff, but don't mess with their beer. 
Somebody analyzed their beer and found out it was all of it just about contaminated with glyphosate. And now a follow-up study says 99.6% of Germans are contaminated with the herbicide glyphosate. Now it's on. Hmm. That's pretty unbelievable. The, the glyphosate issue is, is a major issue, but... Wasn't that you're not talking about the study that found about the American things, is you about the American population? Or is that no, this is about? specific to the German population. My my thought goes to immediately if 99.6 percent of the German population has been contaminated, where's the 0.4 percent? I want to meet them and know how they've avoided it. You know, I totally misunderstood because during the break when you mentioned this to me, I thought you said the American population 99.6 percent have been exposed to it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's possible it could be that high. I wouldn't be surprised. But the fact that we've got a major Western uh, country to be analyzed at that level to get to that number tells you that nothing, nothing except the 0.4% of Germans, supposedly, if that's true. I was just like, my question is, do they live in a cave? Do they? I don't know how you can avoid it at this point. Yeah, well, if it's, uh, you think it's from the beer? Is that what you think it's, it is from? Or from? Oh, well, they, they do. They did analyze the beer that had had wheat as a source uh, was definitely contaminated despite the purity laws that were written in the 1700s. That's why they're up in arms. You know, even if they weren't upset about glyphosate, the fact that it's contaminated their beer, that's their religion there. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. You know, so I, I think that maybe in the U.S. it's not quite as prevalent, but it's probably pretty pretty close to that wouldn't you say the number of people that drink alcohol and if it is the glyphosates inside the alcohol uh, beverages or is it glyphosates from something else the the well here they're telling us that the uh, barley which is a lot of the beer is made from barley they say right. that the barley crops in the u.s are among the most polluted crops contaminated with glyphosate i wasn't aware of that we think always in wheat the way they're desiccating at the end but evidently barley is being hammered by glyphosate as well mm. interesting yeah, I I had no idea. I mean, I didn't. I knew that it could be found in certain types of grain products, and and that it was quite prevalent. But I didn't realize it was that prevalent. Yeah, a new study shows ninety nine point six percent of Germans contaminated with glyphosate. Writes Nicole Sagener. Uh, the news comes as the EU puts off a crucial decision on whether to reauthorize the chemical described by IARCs as a probable carcinogen until 2031 so they're not even going to go revisit this topic until 2031 i mean this is incredible absolutely incredible you know they can't hide it and and this is a nightmare for for monsanto because you know when you hit the sacred cow of any let's say a country let's say somehow you in india you did literally do something to the sacred cows <laughs> again it's on right but right. But in Germany, it's the beer, and now that they found all of their beer is contaminated, suddenly it's like Monsanto's. You can't. You don't have enough money in the world to counteract that negative publicity to buy the PR agencies to kind of convince the Germans that it's okay to have glyphosate in their beer. Right, like hiring the Bill Nye's of the world to mm-hmm. go back yes. to their word, exactly like we covered a couple of weeks ago. Well, you know, this is an interesting thing too when you start looking at the issues of the glyphosates or, or any of these issues, or any of the organophosphates or the fluorinated hydrocarbons or any of the benzenes, the toluenes under the category of the persistent organic pollutants. So you start looking at the metals, the, the mercury, the lead, the whatever, or you look at the opportunistics, you look at the, uh, you know, all the things that I talk about in the seven toxicity philosophy in the book. When you start looking at this, you, you have to realize that this is an additive phenomenon. So it's not just one thing. So now you look at the radiation from ambient cell phones and the Fukushima's and et cetera, et cetera. You look at the toxicity in the vaccines from the additives and the um, preservatives and the 
uh, mercury and the formaldehyde and all this other stuff, and you start looking at the glyphosates in, in, the, in the beer that they're drinking, you start looking all these different things, they're additive, and they increase the, the burden on the physiological system until eventually the bucket can no longer handle the load, and it starts to spill over, and that's when you start having the problem of carcinogenesis or any oncogenic process or whatever is going to happen. And so by looking at one thing and saying, well, you know, this one thing may or may not cause cancer, or this thing, you know, it, it, it may have some low probability of cancer, causing cancer, but you start adding them all up, they increase, and they increase. And mm -hmm. it's not a linear increase, it's an exponential increase. And You're this right. is the thing yeah. that people have to recognize. Well, and we look at the pollution of the Victorian era, right? Go back in time now, because there's an article here about Victorian diseases making a comeback. You, you look outward, for the most part, in that era of the coal burning that was happening, suddenly the crowding inner cities, the blocking out of the sun, and, and all the diseases of that era. They're making a comeback, but you look up in the sky, of course, we do see these, these so-called geoengineering chemtrails, but we don't see as much black soot smoke, even though there is some of that, too. Uh, and then they tie it in, in the story to antibiotic resistance rising, as if back then in the Victorian era, it was the same thing. Well, we must add resistance to antibiotics back then. They had no antibiotics back then other than what the natural world provided, those that knew about silver, uh, oils, etc., that existed way back when. But the pollution being external, what you've just said prior to me breaking in, speaking, I don't even know how I am still, <laughs> but is the internal pollution that we've accelerated that you can't see, whether it's in the syringe of a vaccine or the glyphosate-contaminated food that you can't see. Yeah, and it's the intrinsic and the extrinsic environmental toxicities we were talking about. And it, so you're, you're absolutely right. This is just, and it you know, basically adds to the point that this is an additive phenomenon. It's the extrinsic, it's the intrinsic toxicities, and each one of the different components pile on. And, we, you know, it's not the 1 plus 1 equals 2. It's the 1 plus 1 equals 5 type of phenomena. Mm -hmm. So we, we've got to look to, to resolution for folks. That, again, why is detoxification a recurrent theme here? It, because it, it, if we do not clean the garbage out of the dump that has become our bodies, all the good stuff you try to put in will have nowhere to go, and it's not going to work for you. And it's, a, it's something that's happening more and more in the... Uh, it's happening more and more in society, generally speaking, but I think it's a global phenomenon. It's not just in our society, in the Western society. It's happening other places, too. You start looking in the Far East. You start looking in places like China and the industrial pollution that's taking place there and the awareness of, of that population of what's going on. And you start – they're hungry for this type of information. You, you look at any part of the world, the, there's no – square mile of the planet that has not been exposed to some level. I think you and I talked about this a number of years ago um, mm -hmm. on one of the shows about two, three years ago. Back in 2001, 2002 time frame, I had spoken in the Mediterranean in Malta. And, you know, beautiful, pristine Mediterranean Ocean as the plane was coming down and uh, uh, you know, the airline hostess walked by and, you know, said, do you want a local newspaper? I said, sure. And I grabbed it. And in the front cover, it's talking about how there was uh, some protests because of the level of mercury and sorry, cadmium I think it's mm -hmm. mercury and cadmium in the water that, that had been found. And they had all these signs posted, do not swim in these beaches. And they actually falsified it and put it down that it was due to shark attacks. But the local fishermen said, there's been no shark attacks here. What the hell are they talking about? And they came to find out that it was actually the level of cadmium, lead, and mercury in the water. I think, I think it's cadmium, lead, and something else. I'm not sure if mercury was one of them, but it was definitely mm -hmm. cadmium, lead. 
and and they were they were outraged because under false pretense they were preventing people from going to the ocean under the pretense that it was shark attacks and it had nothing to do with that it was the quality of the water so there's no place on this planet that has not been affected by this toxicity we're talking about yeah it is absolutely stunning and of course the you know folks let me just say this folks you listen to us each week or the whole the show all the, all the time you're getting a, obviously a powerful positive even though we're covering something that might be determined, oh, that's a negative story, it's about pollution. But the positive is that, like Dr. Batar has written about in The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, Ty and I have written about Unlock the Power to Heal, the, the theme here, of course, is cleaning up our act. We don't have control over everything in our environment, but I think we're asked to control for that which we genuinely have control of. And that's the thing where we bring the power to heal back to each and every one of us. It's not Dr. Batar doing it for you, it's not me doing it for you. You're having to take these steps. And, you know, sometimes you feel so, uh, how would you say, disheartened by it all. A lot of folks will just throw up their, their hands and go, well, it's just overwhelming. It's too much. I give up. Yeah, and I think that just being aware of it and, and being cognizant of the fact that this is an issue mm-hmm. um, and just doing small, simple things on a, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's one reason in the way I wrote the book, I, I have... The nine steps, and then each of the steps I have maybe five or six different things people can do. And I say that just do one thing from each step. And if that's too much, then just do one thing, period, from just one of the steps. Pick it and slowly but surely start working towards it. And I think that's what it comes down to. We shouldn't be overwhelmed. Yes. We, should, you know, we, we, we just just doing something. And that's one reason I love the slogan of the show, The Power to Heal is Yours, because it's giving people that from an energetic basis, the realization that, hey, you can do this. It's up to you. It's your choice. The intention, you set the intention, and then you start proceeding. And whatever it is, even if it's, you know, I can't walk a mile a day. Okay, walk a half a mile. I can't walk a half a mile. Fine, walk a quarter of a mile. I can't walk a tenth of a mile. Fine, get up and walk from the couch to the living room. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and uh, to, the, to the dining room, to whatever. Just start somewhere and just start it, and the process continues. Well, and we talk about baby steps, that's another common theme. Just like that, you know, you didn't start by running a marathon when you first started to try to walk. You took those baby steps. You built the strength. You, you did the things. And so some of you may have the wherewithal to take a leap, you know, but you might not take the second leap. However you go, it's your pace. You get to set it or work with someone that can work with your pace. We don't go in even to an Olympic trainer, athlete, or former athlete to help us become very good at some athletic endeavor and become that good overnight. These are common concepts, but yet we forget about that in terms of our health, even though we can apply it readily with athletics. And here's the thing, that when you do something to an extreme level, Mm -hmm. especially lifestyle modification-wise, the chances are it's not going to stick because it's too much. You may be able to do it for a couple of weeks, a couple of days, but you're not going to be able to stick to it. There's an old adage that um, that I was taught. I don't remember who, who taught it to me, but I, I've taught this to my sons. Once difficult, now easy. Just start yes. the process and keep it going. And, you know, when people just know that my daily routine is, you know, three sets of 55 push-ups, they think that's so amazing. But it's not because when you, when you do them, it's, you know, it's, after a while, the body's just like, uh, yeah, so what, you know? Yes, exactly. You know, what type of thing. Exactly. All right, one more segment, and it looks like uh, I have rallied thanks to Dr. Rasha Bittar and, of course, Super Don. We're going to be back a little bit about breast cancer, maybe antibiotic resistance as well, before we take off for the night. You hosers in Canada, we're going to see you soon, too. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. (laughs) 
Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. We were talking about polypharmacy earlier in the show with Dr. Bittar. Superdon hadn't heard about that, and that's the multiple drugs. And they even kind of threw supplements into the mix there. There's another story in a study. They kind of reference, they cross over a little bit. The headline on CNN reads, uh, The Growing Danger of Mixing Prescription Drugs and Supplements. One of the examples they give is warfarin, a blood thinner. They combine it. If you combine it like with someone taking omega-3 fish oils, uh, you can increase the risk of bleeding in certain patients. Now, I remember years ago, my buddy, and I've told the story on the air, Dr. Batar, Michael Bednark, he was presidential candidate 2004 uh, for the Libertarian Party. He came to my home, and we were still living in Atlanta back then, and he, his arm had swollen up. It was clear he was bleeding internally. It was like a holy you-know-what moment. And I, you know, I did the remedies that I needed to do immediately to stop some of the, the, the bleeding. But I said, what happened here? And the doctor had given him some warfarin and aspirin. And I've read about the combination of those two. I'm thinking, wouldn't that also be contraindicated? Because aspirin is known to thin the blood, too. And he's bleeding out. Now, we saved him. Obviously, he's alive and well today. But the, the, it's not just drugs with supplements. It's drugs with other drugs. Or it's just drugs by themselves, and they're just taking yeah. to blame it on them. You know, it's very amusing mm. if you start looking at the way that they've done this. In that first study that we covered in the first part of the show, where they talked about they categorized the drugs and the supplements together, that they were trying to show it's going from 53% in 2005, 2006 to 67% in 2010-2011 time frame. So mm. they're categorizing the drugs and the supplements. First they say supplements aren't good. And they don't do anything, and and you know you need to be on drugs. Now they're trying to associate guilt through association, bringing the supplements into the drugs, and saying, you know, there's an increased burden that people are having from these drugs and supplements together. And now they're trying to say that, hey, supplements and drugs aren't good because they cause these interactions. Leave alone the fact that if you didn't have the supplements on board, you're still going to get those same bloody reactions, uh, but. They're just trying to make the the picture that hey, don't take the supplements because the drugs are going to get the counter. The the, the drugs are going to not be as effective. You're going to cause complications. This is something seen with the antioxidant role in chemotherapy. So when they say don't take antioxidants if you're on chemotherapy because you're going to reduce the effectiveness of chemotherapy. Why? Because chemotherapy uh, is a prooxidant. And, and antioxidants will negate the effect of chemotherapy, so you will have a decreased effect of the chemotherapy, uh, chemotherapy's effect on the cancer. Well, yes, but you're also going to have a decreased effect of the chemotherapy on the healthy cells. And so, again, you know, they, they say don't take, they, they make the antioxidant the evil party, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's, it's beating up on the poor chemotherapy party. And it just, that's not how it works. It's just not how it works. You know, you, there's a role for the antioxidant in the body because the body has its own antioxidant supplies. The body has no chemotherapeutic supplies. Yeah, that's yeah, a very important distinction. But, again, to vilify, kind of like we were talking about Paul Revere. Paul Revere, the British are coming. You know, we're independents for fighting. He's a terrorist, but he's riding, fighting on the right for liberty, a new nation. And with the drugs, they're like, they're the status quo. The supplements are coming in like Paul Revere going, you know what, you, you can... You can do a little little bit better here. There's some things that can help you because your body actually needs them. And they're the ones being vilified here 
for combining with somehow the drug, interfering somehow with the drug. And in many cases, your point well taken that it isn't even about polypharmacy because you're darn right. It could be the one drug even given at an appropriate dose. We've seen that the Journal of the American Medical Association, year 2000, Starfield Report, talked exactly about properly used, administered, prescribed medications being a leading cause of death. Yeah, in fact, it was a third leading uh, was a third lead, yeah, no, it was a, yeah, it was a third leading cause of death. So the first was, at that time, it was cardiac disease. Now it's cancer. Mm-hmm. And then it was cancer was the second one, and now it's cardiac disease. And then the third one that skipped over, and the fourth one was neurological disease. So number three was um, the appropriate use of prescribed drugs. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as I've said for many years as well, that you look at number one and two, they're caused in many ti- many cases by number three, yep. the drugs, right? Yep. Medical monopoly, not it's not a good plan for health and healing, but advanced medicine is here with Dr. Batar each and every week. If you miss a show, GCN, our syndicator, has it. Of course, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast at Epic Times, UK Health Radio, and beyond, Talk Network, and, of course, MedicalRewind.com. Dr. Batar, we've got to take them out. You tell them what they need to know, my friend. The power to heal is yours. Yes, it is. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.